0: This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Uh, we want to lift up Pastor Freddie T. this morning. He is getting over uh, a cold and uh, is ready to be back at it uh, tomorrow. But lift him up in your prayers. Uh, this morning, we're going to take a, a break from our Ephesians. And um, first of all, did, did you guys see what's happening up in uh, Wilmore, Kentucky? Anybody see that uh, at Asbury? Uh, there's a revival uh, that is taking place. It started, I think, at a chapel service, and they were preaching on Romans 12 and... The chapel service from like a week ago hasn't ended yet. It just continues to go and go and go. There are people driving from Michigan, from other states, from other college campuses uh, to to check it out because a movement of God is happening, which uh, that's that's pretty amazing. Like one of the things that hit me is that for a work like that to happen, we have to we have to like slow down. And i 'm talking to myself here, like we we bring we are such a distracted people, aren 't we? I mean we bring we bring our smartphones in with us, we bring all our plans, we bring we're thinking about like we're going to have for lunch, who's going to win the Super Bowl? We bring all that stuff in in here with us, and I just wonder if God would want to do a work in us if we would just stop and like slow ourselves down to see the work that he wants to do in and through us. The rabbis used to talk about this. They used to talk about how God has like all these like amazing, spectacular miracles in the Old Testament. You know, you think about splitting the Red Sea, pillar of fire by day, cloud of smoke by night, like just... Sometimes I wish God would do that, right? Just look up in the air and go, wow, that's that's such a clear, obvious miracle. But one of the biggest miracles the rabbis talked about was not something that you could just see instantly. They talked about the burning bush. And the burning bush, of course, was a miracle. And of course, the presence of God was in it. But have you ever thought about this? Like, how long would Moses have had to stay there before he even realized it was a miracle? I mean, A burning bush in that climate was like Tuesday, right? Like, I mean, it happened like all the time in this dry, like sort of climate. How long would it take for a bush to be consumed? And the rabbis would say, well, you know, of course the burning bush was a miracle, but it was more than that. Maybe it was a test. Maybe God is trying to see if Moses will sit and pay attention long enough to see that God was doing an amazing work. Remember what Jacob said when he got from the dream? Surely the Lord was in this place, and I I did not know it. How many of us are like that? Like, we're just going through life, and we're just on to the next thing, and we're distracted, and God's like, stop. Like, I want to do a work here. But to do it, I need your attention. Sometimes God work, God's work is fast, and it's amazing, and it's spectacular, and it's clear for all to see. I think what's happening in Asbury is amazing. Sometimes the work is a slow work, and it's a work that he wants to do in our heart. And so my prayer for this morning has been that like, that we would be present so at the end of the day we could say, surely the Lord was in this place, and I, I know it now because I stopped and I centered my heart on what God wants to do in my life. We're going to look at a passage this morning that God used to kind of wake me up at one point in my life. Um, this is a very obscure passage that you're. Going to, I'm going to read this, and you're going to be like, "Why in the world did? How did God use this particular passage in your life?" And at the time, I was a student minister. I'd just been married uh, to Robin. We were. I was 23. She was 21. No kids. And I have to tell you like, my Christian life was fine. Like, it was it was good. Like, when it comes to reading my Bible, like, most days I would, if I had time, right, if, like, it wasn't, like, super busy, if there weren't too many meetings, if people weren't coming in my office, I would, like, try to, you know, spend a few minutes in the Word. It was fine. When it came to, like, my giving, my tithe, I was giving. It was it was fine. Like, I, I would give, like, almost every month as long as, like, you know, every once in a while there might be a month where the finances were tight, and maybe I'm like, okay, I'm not going to give this month. I'll give next month. But it was fine. When it came to, like, my time and my talent, I, w- I was giving it, you know, I was giving my, at least a, what I thought was good to God, and my life was going just fine. I thought my relationship with God was good. But I wasn't like and I didn't have the words that I do now. But now looking back, I was just super, super comfortable. And my Christian life was fine. And then God uses this passage to ruin my life. And my prayer is that it ruins your life too. Look with me. Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. A son honors his father and a servant his master if then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O oh, priest who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? Says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations." And in every place, incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted, and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame, or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Let's take a minute and just pause to center our hearts, to slow down, to see the miracle that maybe God wants to do in our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Father, this morning we confess that it's so easy to to be distracted, to move on to the next thing. For some of us, silence is uncomfortable. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would interrupt our routines, that you would interrupt our distractions, that you would interrupt our plans to allow us to be present to the Spirit of God in this place. And Father, just speak through these words, remind us of your love, of your smile, of your unconditional acceptance, so that we can live in response to that. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So you're like, what in the world, Tim? Malachi 1, 6 through 14, really? Like, what's happening here? So God comes to the priest and says, I'm not happy with you. And the priests are like, what are you talking about? Like, we're doing everything you said. And God's like, yeah, not not quite. Because what these priests were doing is they were called to give, like, the best of their flock. And instead, you can just picture this. They're going out to their flock, and they're like, oh, man, quick. This one's about to die. Before it dies, let's get it to the altar, right? Let's get it to the altar where this one's lame or this one's blind. Let's get it to the altar before it dies. We're going to put it on this, as a sacrifice to God and be like, God, see, I did it. Aren't you so pleased with what I gave to you. And God says, is that what you think I'm worth? Like, would you do that for your governor? Now, now think about this, like, politics aside, right? Like, if the president or the governor was going to come, you know, to your house, like, what would you do? Like, if the president or the governor was coming to my house, like, I'm probably not going to be like, all right, let's you know, I'm going to preheat the oven to 425, and I'm going to get a frozen Red Baron pizza and put it in the oven, right? I'm probably not doing that. Like, it's going to be DiGiorno at least, right? Like, I'm like I'm going all out, right? Like, no. Like, if, if somebody of honor is coming to your house, you're going to pull out all the stops, right? Um, again, politics aside, because of the uh, the elevation of the office, right? And so you're, you're going to go out. You're going to you're going to make sure the the your house is clean. You're going to make sure the trash is removed. In our house, you're going to make sure the dogs are far far away from the front door. And you're going to give you're going to create a feast because of the honor that is due of this person that is in a position. Well, that's what God's saying here. God is saying. My name will be great among the nations. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, my name will be great among the nations. And this is what you think I'm worth. This lame sacrifice, this blind sacrifice, this lamb that's about to die, you're going to go and you're going to put that on the altar. Now, years later, I've got to be really honest, and I don't know if anybody else has had this thought, but I had this thought. Years later, I had the thought of, like, what kind of God would demand that we live our lives in honor of him? Like, doesn't he seem a little bit, like, isn't he an egomaniac, right? Like, like, is he insecure? And again, like, I'm sorry, if this seems like, man, I can't believe you're saying that. I'm like, that. those were the thoughts I was having. Like, what, like, all throughout Scripture, we see God, like, saying, like, my name is going to be great among the nations, and by the way, you need to worship me. Uh, like 1 Corinthians 10 31 says this, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Is this God insecure? And I struggled with that theme and because I was asking like, is this an egotistical God? Is this an insecure God? And I'll tell you the answer, it's not any of those. It's that he is a loving, truthful God. What do you mean by that? Think about our mission, delighting in God and discipling others. God can only tell the truth. And here's what God knows. God knows that if you or I wrap our lives around anything other than him, it's going to come up empty, right? He knows that if we are going to have true flourishing and delight in our lives, it has to be centered around him because he is God and he is good. He must tell the truth about himself, which is, which is the fact that he is the only one that's worthy for us to put our entire foundation of our life on him. Uh, There's a guy by the name of Michael Patton, and it's a long quote, but he says it way better than I can say it. And so read along with me. This is, I love this. He says, Is it egotistical for the ocean to roar? Is it egotistical for the sun to shine so bright? Is it egotistical for romantic love to make our hearts drop? Is it egotistical for chocolate to make our mouths water? Is it egotistical for the expanse of the universe to cause us to stand in awe? Is it egotistical for sex to feel good? Is it egotistical for music to affect our emotions? Is it egotistical for the sky to be blue? Yes, all these are attributes of impersonal things, but they all call out for recognition nonetheless. This recognition brings fulfillment to us, not to the things themselves. When we see a personal God who not only created all these things that summon us to joyful recognition, but is also the very embodiment of them calling on us to glorify him, he is doing nothing else but what is expected from a loving God. He is calling us to recognize him and his beauty. In doing so, we experience the greatest pleasure existence has to offer. His call for us to recognize him is nothing other than a call for our own ultimate fulfillment. And we know this deep down, right? Like, you know this deep down. You know that if your goal in life is to make money, you either don't make the money you thought you made and you're jealous of somebody that has, or you make the money that you wanted to make, and then what happens? It's not quite enough, right? I need just a little bit more. It's a foundation that's not real. We see this in relationships, Like we put everything, our foundation into a relationship, and then when problems come into that relationship, we realize that foundation wasn't secure. Because God is a God of truth and love, he has no choice but to tell us the truth about himself. And the truth is this, if you build yourself on anything other than him, the foundation is shaky and it's not secure. And so he says, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, my name will be great among the nations. And that, by the way, that is true regardless of what we do. It's true. Like, his name will be great among the nations from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, regardless of how we live our life. The question is, which side of that are we going to live on? Are we going to leverage our life toward that end, or are we going to rebel and say, no, thank you? And if that is true, then this passage for me, um, you'll, you'll begin to see why this changed my life and why it ruined my life in, in such dramatic ways. Two kind of big, hard truths from this passage the first one is this we are called to put out the useless fires in our life. Look at verse 10 again. Oh, that, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in use as the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. I remember being a student minister, my life was just fine. Giving was fine. Reading the Bible was fine. Prayer life was just fine. And then this passage hit me, and it was as if God was saying this verse 10, hey, Tim, like, if this just fine is what you think I'm worth, like, shut the doors. Like, literally, here, he's telling the priest, I would rather you shut the temple doors than offer up a lame sacrifice to me. Now, contextually, what does that even mean? Because we don't We don't do the sacrificial system anymore. Like, what does it mean to offer up a lame sacrifice? Well, think about this. The priest, we're all about the fire, right? Sacrifices, fire, clanging cymbals, music, all meant to do one thing, to impress God and impress other people with, look at at me, I'm kind of a big deal. So we may not have the sacrificial system anymore, but you know what we have? We have social media where we can craft exactly the way that we want other people to see us. Right? Like we're gonna give people a glimpse of the person the exterior of like this is who I am and look at me, look at how I've got my life together. We can craft it and it's not real. Even even the new social media app, Be Real, is not real. Anybody on that? Like have you guys heard of this, Be Real? Like it? Uh, yes, I see it. Yes, like it, it pings you at random uh, times during the day, and you have to pick, like, do a picture like right then, within two minutes, to show that you're being real. The problem with that is, like, I don't know. Like half the time, I get like the little notification. I'm doing something boring, so I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna post the photo now. But then, like, you're in a concert, or you're like, yeah, there's beautiful scenery, and you're like, oh yeah, this is the real me right here. Click, you know, <laughs> like for all to see the real me no other time like see what i'm saying like we craft what we want other people to see anything that we do that's exterior and it's a lot in our life we spend more time thinking about how other people are going to view us than we do what's going on in our heart and mind like i wonder what would happen if instead of being so consumed with what other people see on the exterior if we were more cons- more consumed with when our head hits the pillow at night and nobody is seeing the thoughts in your brain or the, the emotions in your heart. Where, where do you drift? Where, do you, where does your imagination go? See, we have a God that is much more concerned about what's going on here than he is what's going on in the exterior. So much so that he says, if your exterior is great and you're doing all the things, you're doing the fire, you're doing all the exterior things of worship, but you're, the truth is you're offering up a lame sacrifice, you know what? Stop. Shut up the doors. And I remember going, like, man, God, like, I thought I was just fine. Why'd you have to mess it up? Right? Maybe I'm not fine. That was the first hard truth. The second one was this. We are called to give our first and best. Look at verse 14. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. In other words, God has given you things that he's given nobody else, right? He's given you a personality that is unique to you. He's given you gifts that are unique to you. He is not calling you to give the best of somebody else's flock. He's calling you to give the best of what you have to him. It's unique to you, giving your best, your first to him. And I had never really thought about this. It was actually years later, and I came back to this passage, and this is one of those passages that every time I would come back to it, God would show me like another layer. And I remember years ago, like years after the first time I had looked at this, I asked the question like, like, why is God requiring the best of our flock to him. Yes, I get it. Like, he's worth it. I understand that. But, like, is God up in heaven going, looking around at his, like, flock and going, like, man, I really need a better sheep. Like, this is, like, lame. Like, literally. Like, I I need a better sheep. So give me your best sheep. No, God doesn't need a better sheep. He doesn't need, God doesn't need anything. And so I ask the question, like, well, what the, what would that have represented... Back in the day, like what would the best of your flock have represented? Well, a lot of things, right? Food, clothing, it's hard to imagine, but even reputation, right? Like the bigger your flock, the greater your influence and your reputation would have obviously represented your money. And it hit me that if you give the best, if you give the first, not the leftovers, if you give the uh, the first and you give the best, what are you telling God? You're telling God, I trust you, right? Anytime you create margin in your life, you're allowing space for God to show up. Let me give you an example. Like, if I'm only giving my leftovers, if I get to the end of the month and I'm like, cool, I've got an extra, you know, a few hundred bucks or whatever, I'm going to throw this toward God, that doesn't really require any trust because it's just what's left, but if i know that things are going to be tight i'm saying like god i'm going to i'm giving this because you've called me to give because you're worth it and you've called me to give your best so i'm going to give this to you and i'm going to trust that like this amount of money with you is way more than this amount of money when i control it but to do that i have to go from this to this last year we talked about sabbath what is sabbath sabbath is taking one day out of seven to stop to rest, to worship, to play, to feast. It's a day to honor God and to stop working. And I'm I'm preaching to myself here now because when we can't stop, what we're telling God is I don't trust you. Because like to truly take a day off, you have to say, God, in this space, in this margin that I've created where, where I've got like all these things I know I need to do, I'm gonna stop because you've called us to stop and I'm gonna trust you I'm going to relinquish control. How are we doing with that? Do we do that? Do we do that with our money? Do we do that with our time? The key word here is trust and dependence. We do this because, and hear this, he does not, God does not need your money. He doesn't need your time. He doesn't need your talent, but he wants it because he wants to do something in and through you that is all about him like as we create margin as we create space for God that's where he's going to come in and do a work in and through that through us two things tim put the useless fires put them out just put them out and focus on the things that are meaningful those things those sacrifices that are of a god that is worth it and then and then the second thing is is to uh, to give our first and to give our best and to create that margin and that space. Now, I have to tell you for a long time when it came to this passage, I would do fine in my life and I would like kind of re-up and I would give my best. And then I would like all of a sudden realize, man, I'm offering like a lame sacrifice again. And I would have guilt and I would shame. And the problem is if we in the message right here, then the message is gonna be, you're not doing good enough do better. Try harder. You're giving leftovers to God. You're lighting useless fires, like shut the temple doors. And we could all walk out today with our head kind of hung low of like, yep, that's me. I'm not giving God my best. And that message would be pretty depressing. And I want you to know that that is the opposite of the good news. Like that message, if it stops right now, is about religion. It's about what you're doing and it's not enough. And it will never be enough. Because if we if this passage, if we left it here, it could be like a bat to your head every time you read it. Of like, just, you know, useless, you know, unworthy fire. Shut the, shut the temple doors. Cursed is the cheat who has a, an acceptable male in his flock and does not give it. Like, that feels harsh. And then you realize something. And this took me years to where this was not a passage to beat me up. And that and that's this truth, is, you know what? We will always offer up lame lambs and kindle useless fires to God. And we're going to do that again and again and again. And I want you to know that this passage is so much more than that. It's about what it points to. Think about what God does. John one twenty nine, John the Baptist says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes the sins of the world. God looks at us, and he looks at our lame sacrifices, and he doesn't say do better. He doesn't say get it right. He says, I'm going to do for you what you can't do for me. I'm going to give the best of my flock. I'm going to give a lamb that is unblemished, that is perfectly innocent, that never did anything wrong, And I'm going to give my lamb, the Son of God, Jesus, for you, for your sins. Because you're offering, you will always offer up lame sacrifices. I'm going to give my best for you. And out of that grace, out of the gratitude that we get from that, we get to be friends with this God. And now we get to give our best for him. Now, the order here is so, so important. It's not us clamoring and doing all these things and performing for God so that he accepts us. It's him looking at us and going like, you're not gonna get it right and so I'm gonna give my best for you. Think about this. Like we have, we sing amazing songs to God and that makes sense to us because he's worth it. I've always said this, but it makes me really uncomfortable that we have a God that sings to us. In Zephaniah, like it talks about him exalting over you and singing. He sings To you because he loved you that much. He looks at your lame sacrifices. He looks when we give our leftovers and he doesn't say, Well, forget it, you're out. He gives his best in Jesus on what we sang earlier on a judgment tree on the cross. And he took our sins and our mess and our lame, pathetic sacrifices and he puts it on himself, dies on the cross and kills sin and defeats death in the process and is raised three days later. And when we sit with that and let God do a work in us, now it's not I have to offer my best to God because it's worth it. It's it's different. I get to do it. Are you kidding me? Like I get to do it. I get to create space and margin. I get to give my first. I get to give my, my best time to God and say, God, this is yours. I get to look at my finances and say, I don't know how it's all going to work out at the end of the month, but here it is, God. I trust you. I'm in relationship with you. Somebody might be here and say, like, you know, that's, that's the gospel, and you're right. And you say, Tim, like, I, I know that, like, up here, but I don't always, like, feel it here, and it doesn't always play out in my life. And I want to say, I, I get it. And I want to say resist the temptation, church, especially those of you that have been in church for a while, like me. Resist the temptation to think that you need, like, that one teaching that you haven't had yet, like that that little gold nugget that's out there that, man, if I figure this out, then I've got it. Like, that's great, and I love it. I love diving deep and learning more about Scripture than I have before. But it, it's the gospel. Like, that's it. Like, it's the gospel. We we talked about this last year. I think I mentioned, you know, in my church growing up here in Clarksville, uh, we had like this old Coke machine in the lobby that where the quarter would always get like stuck when you would try to, you know, uh, get a Coke out. And so you'd like put the quarter in and me and my best friend would like 20 feet back do a running start and just like as hard as we could into the Coke machine to try to get the quarter to drop. And then there was that beautiful, like you'd hear it like, you know, go all the way in. That's kind of like what the gospel is. Like if you've been in church for a while, you you understand this, you understand that God has loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for your sins, but it's here for you and it doesn't live down here. And it like, what would it take to like slow ourselves down enough to allow God to bring it from here to here? I grew up like five, six minutes from here, just off XL road. And we had this little, um, this little, some of you will remember on Madison street, this little shack, it was a fireworks store. And it wasn't like seasonal, it was open like pretty much year round. And so I was the kid that was always like, I, I had a stash of fireworks at all times. And um, I would, I remember I'd go out to my little back port, uh, little patio, concrete patio. And my favorite thing was to get like a brick of firecrackers and I'd put them down. And I, I'd never used just the lighter cause that's not fun, right? Like I would take my dad's magnifying glass and pray it wasn't cloudy and I would get out there. Anybody done this before? And you get out and you just hold the magnifying glass and you angle it just right so the sun goes through and you focus it. There's that one little point where it just focuses and then you just wait. Sometimes it was like a few seconds. Sometimes it was a minute or two and you're just waiting for that glorious sound, right? It's like, okay, back up because the explosions are about to happen that fire that you want, if you're feeling like just in a dry season right now and you're like, man, I like—I I don't want that. I want that revival that's happening in Asbury right now. I want that in my heart. Understand it. Like, it's not something that you yourself light, but it is something that you can do. There's something that we can do is we can put ourselves in the presence of God and be present and say, God, like, I'm going to sit here with this passage I'm going to read it and I'm just going to sit with it. I'm going to spend some time in prayer and I'm just going to wait to hear from you. I'm not going to move to the next thing. I'm going to sit and by your grace, you're going to do something in me. You're going to drop the quarter from here to here. You're going to put the gospel that I know up here and it's going to change my life to where now I can create margin in my life and give my first and my best because you're worth it and because you want to do a work in and through me. But to do that, we have to be present. We have to slow down. And we say, God, like there's stuff in my heart that you need to get rid of that I need to turn away from. That's what God wants to do this morning. We're gonna pray. We're gonna worship. As always, the altar up here is open. Maybe God is dealing with your heart. Maybe you've been offering up like me, lame sacrifices to a God that's worth so much more. Give that up today and say, you know what, God, because you've given me Everything I want to live my life for you and for you alone. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful because you're a God that could have looked at our, our worship and our sacrifices. He could have dismissed us. He could have just cut us off but instead you sent the perfect unblemished lamb to take on the sins of the world. You did it for us. You loved us. You gave us your grace. You gave us your mercy. And Father, may we never get over that. May we live our lives in a way that gives you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. Father, this morning we give that to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.